We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 21. Keys to overcoming the world's contamination. If you would, rise and stand for reading of the Word of God. Verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition by your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Now, as you know, we're living in a world that we have inputs continually, 24-7, that give us a worldview that is counter to God. And we have to determine how to conduct ourselves in this world that is contaminated. It is really extremely contaminating, getting worse as we go on. It's not getting better. Uh, the theme of 1 Peter is this, strength and comfort in suffering. Strength and comfort in suffering. Now, last week, we talked about in this milieu of, of suffering and difficulty in life, that God has given us some, some things that help us through this. And number one is that Jesus is our living hope. I hope you remember that from last week. Jesus is our living hope. He is resurrected from the dead. He is a living Savior. He is our living hope. Now, God brought Jesus through his trial, through his suffering, and he can bring you through your trial and your suffering. Jesus is our living hope. We learned that last week. We also learned this. To make it through suffering, to make it through struggles, you must remember that you have an inheritance. We have an inheritance from God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We inherit what Jesus inherits. You know what? This is an amazing thing. We've talked about the unsearchable riches of Christ in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. We will never, ever, ever be able to plumb the depths of the riches of Christ. Oh, for believers, this is an incredible thing. For eternity, it's all going to be new, day after day after millennium after millennium after millennium, gillions of years after gillions of years. However time goes, man, it's going to be new all the time. He's a creator. But we also know that we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. And there's something that I haven't mentioned to you before, but it's called the theocratic administration. When Adam and Eve were on earth, they were given deed or ruling authority on earth. That's called the theocratic administrator. Now, that was lost when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And Satan has kind of usurped that position, not theocratic administrator, but he is the administrator now and has a rule in this earth. This is called the kingdom of darkness. And God extracts us from that kingdom and puts us in the kingdom of light. But we're living in that kingdom of darkness right now. So that's a theocratic administrator. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through 6, we, we see that we will be reigning in the millennial kingdom. We'll have positions of authority. We will be theocratic administrators in God's future kingdom. And that's a wonderful thing. We talked about the tremendous advantages of that. In Genesis chapter 1, Verse 26, we read these words, And God said, Let us make man in our image, and according to our likeness. You see a plurality there in the Godhead. There is our and our and us. Let them 
mankind have dominion, rada. That means to rule or to reign. That's the administrative, that's a administrative authority, the theocratic administration I'm talking about. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Mankind was given rulership on earth. That's the theocratic administration. Andy Wood says it this way. There, that there will be a future messianic kingdom on earth that has been revealed thus far for, through, through the divine intention to restore the office of theocratic administrator. And then he quotes Genesis 1, 26 through 28 that I just read. That was lost in Eden when man fell and sin entered into the human race, as well as through the prominence of future earthly messianic prophecies that promise that we will be reigning again. God will redeem mankind and man will rule on the earth again. This will be in the future. Our ruling in a future millennial kingdom is assured, but will be determined. What we do in our future millennial kingdom will be determined by our faithfulness to serve in Christ here. So it is exceedingly important. I can't express how important it is that we're all out for Christ here. Not half in, not half out, but all out for Christ. It'll determine. It's going to be a big deal in the millennial reign of Christ. We know that those suffering have hope because Jesus is their living hope. That we also have an inheritance. But the other thing that we learned last time, last week, was that Jesus is with us through the trials of life. He is in the furnace of affliction with us. And we use Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the three Jewish men that would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And Nebuchadnezzar had a hissy fit, and he cranked up the furnace seven times its, its heat. And the people that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace were incinerated themselves. And Nebuchadnezzar, probably peeking from a distance down into some valley or some hole, saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking in the fiery furnace with one who looked like the Son of God, unbound unhurt. Jesus is with you in your trials. No matter what the outcome is, no matter what the outcome is, never ever forget there is always hope with God. He is a living hope. Jesus is our living hope. The question for all generations, for our generation today, how do we stay clean in a corrupt society? Is this really possible? Is this really possible when we have so many inputs so many inputs constantly, 24-7 bombarding us with the antithesis, the opposite of godliness. We have the world's values pounded upon us continually. Now remember, we said this, that our doctrine is simply what we're taught and what we know to be true about God. Your doctrine will determine your worldview. Will you have a biblical worldview or will you have a secular worldview? What you believe about God matters immensely, but it, it determines exactly how you're going to view the world around you. And your worldview will determine your values, what is right and wrong, and your values will ultimately determine your conduct, how you're going to conduct yourself in this world. Now remember, we are being inundated with falseness. And you've, been, you've had this before, and this is just a review, so 
Remember, this is not true. All roads do not lead to God. There is one road that leads to God, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. All religions are not the same. Homosexuality is not normal. Gay marriage is not normal. This is, this is something that is against God, but the world has embraced this and wants you to embrace it. It's not that we're not loving towards people, people, but we cannot accept something that is sin. We just can't. We must, we must stand in opposition to it. Now, we also have been taught in our society that abortion is acceptable. Well, it's not acceptable to God. And you know what's happening this November? You're going to vote on whether pot should be legalized in Michigan. Will Michigan follow the trend of the rest of the nation, or will they not? That remains to be seen. But I would ask you to pray and ask that God would get his people out to vote in opposition to that. That is not a benign drug. That causes people to have a motivation. They are never the best that they can be. They never reach their potential. So, remember, your doctrine is important. Our doctrine determines our worldview. Our worldview determines our values, and our values determine our conduct. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about Peter is going to give us the keys overcoming the world's contamination. He's going to give us some special insights, some, some doors to open to help us to overcome the world's contamination. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you for the Apostle Peter and how you've used him, Holy Spirit, to pen exactly what you want us to hear. Now, this week, you're going to speak to us about the keys to help us to not be contaminated in this world. Help us to hear you, God. Help us to take this seriously. Not, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We want to heed what you are telling us today. Hear with the intention of doing. Holy Spirit, touch each one of our hearts, please. In Jesus' name, amen. So, keys to overcoming the contamination of the world. Just an introduction. How can I have a clean mind in a horribly corrupted world? Chuck Swindoll says this, Some have suggested sanctification by isolation, withdrawing from the world as the only way to keep it from rubbing off on you. He says this, After all, how can you walk through a coal mine without getting dirty? The logic seems irrefutable, but the Bible offers us a different point of view, and Philippians 2.15 is a wonderful verse for this. Prove yourselves. That means you are demonstrating something to the population that is around you, to the people that are around you. Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God. Above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world. We are reflecting his light to a culture that is around us. Remember in, in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God has given us his, his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the ability to reflect him in the culture, and that is what we are to do. Isolation is not the answer. Monks living in caves still had lustful thoughts. Isolation is not the answer. Insulation is. We are to be not isolated from the world, but insulated from the world. We have to be in the world. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, representing him. But we are, we're prayer is to be insulated from the world. Jesus actually taught this in John 17, 14, and 15 in the real Lord's Prayer. He says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Isn't that something? Jesus says, just like it is, I've given them your word, and because you have followed my word, the world hates you. Just remember, that's, that's part of the program. 
because they are not of the world. They're not of this world system controlled by Satan. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, oh, but to keep them from the evil one, to insulate them, to protect them. That's what Jesus tells us to do. We're thinking about the world. Grammarian Kenneth Wurst says this. The world is this, means this. It refers to an ordered system. Here it is, the ordered system which Satan is the head, his fallen angels and demons are his emissaries, and the unsaved of the human race are his subjects. Now you get that. The unsaved of the human race are his subjects. Every human born into the world are subject to Satan and has to be forcibly extracted out of that kingdom. Much in this world system is religious, a lot of religion in the world, cultured, refined, and intellectual. But it is anti-God and anti-Christ. This world of unsafe humanity is inspired by the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is called the Zeitgeist. I don't know if you've ever heard this word Zeitgeist before, but it's a German phrase. It means spirit of the age. There's an online video that was published in 2007, and it promoted this. It tried to persuade viewers that the authors of the New Testament borrowed the idea of Jesus' virgin birth the 12 disciples, miracles, crucifixion, resurrection from astrological sources and ancient pagan mystery religions that were around a long time before Jesus. In other words, they say that Christianity is a copycat, and that is not true. But you will hear that, and this was publicized, and people buy into it. That's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of the age. Anything to undermine the truth of Christ, and I'm going to elaborate on this more in just a few minutes. Now, Trench also defines this as following, the zeitgeist. This is his definition. All that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations at any time current in the world, which it may be impossible to seize and accurately define, but which constitutes a most real and effective power being the moral or immoral atmosphere which at every moment of our lives we inhale. We are inhale. We're immersed into the spirit of this age, which inevitably we must exhale. This is the world system to which John refers. How can we stay clean in a corrupt society, in a world system, when we are constantly inhaling the world's pollution? Well, Peter's going to give us some keys on how to do this today. He's going to give us some keys. He's going to give us the keys to be able to survive this contamination. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. This was written during the time of Peter. This is way before our time. The world has been corrupt from the beginning. Remember from the Tower of Babel. I mean, after the flood, it didn't take very long before the Tower of Babel came and everybody had turned against God. And then he had to call one man out of Ur of the Chaldeans from which the Jewish people came from, and which we have been branched into. One man, Abraham, the world has turned from God. So there's nothing new under the sun. Every generation must wrestle with this issue, the contamination of life, of our lives in an evil fallen society. Now, verse 13 through 15, the keys to overcoming the world's contamination. This is key number one. Determine, this is an absolute must for a believer. For an unbeliever, they have no hope. There's no hope for them until they become believers, and there's all kinds of hope, okay? But for, for believers, you must determine in your heart not to be corrupted. 
Determine in your heart. Watch the words here. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Catch that, as obedient children. That's what's expected. As obedient children of God, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts the way you were, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. How much of your conduct? All your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And I used to read that and go, oh, really? I'm supposed to be holy? Hear me out. Hear me out. Let's let's see what this is talking about. Uh, determine in your heart not to be corrupted. In order to do that, you have to have an attitude of ne- must be no passivity, no passivity, no apathy, no who cares, no live and let live. Very important. We are to gird up the loins of our mind, of our mind. And remember, we talked about last week about being a Daniel. Daniel one eight. Daniel determined in his heart. In his mind, he girded up the loins of his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's delicacies. He did it beforehand. It must be predetermined. I will not go down that road. I will not. Remember, it is a mind battle. It is a mind battle. And I ask you this question, how is your heart? Is it soft? Is it malleable? Are you receiving the word? Or is it hard and you're kind of resisting going, I don't really like this. I really like, this is not really for me right now. I tell you, it is for you right now, because if you're a believer, the word of God is true, and it's for you right now. It's for you right now. Now remember that the culture has been desensitized. We're like the frogs in the pot. Things that would have bothered generations before, we just take as, as, as normal stuff. All the sex that's being promoted, all the drugs that are being promoted, all the Things that have been legalized just within the last few years, in the last decade, have been been amazing. We have been numb to what's going on. This isn't by accident. This is not by accident. I've mentioned this man before in the past several times, and I hope you remember him. His name is Joseph Goebbels. He was a Nazi propaganda czar. And his philosophy has been used right to today, very successfully, very successfully. He said this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. If you tell them that abortion is okay, you tell them that gay marriage is okay, you tell them that God doesn't belong in our culture, we kick him out of our schools, we kick him out of our universities, we kick him out of our government, and pretty soon people believe, begin to believe the lie. But, watch this, the lie cannot be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and military consequence of the lie. The goal is that the state, the government, must buy into the lie and promote the lie for it to succeed. It is thus virtually, it is vitally important for the state or the government to use all of its powers to repress dissent and the truth, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, this is a quote from Joseph Goebbels in 1930s. We have to keep the state, we have to promote the lie, and we cannot let the truth come out no matter what. Now, what does Jesus say? What does God's word say? Well, Jesus said, thy word is truth. Now, what has been systematically taken out of our culture, 
God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look, you go to churches today, how many times do you see people with their Bible? Now, I know that people can have their Bible on their, in their phones and that sort of thing, but the Bible has been taken out of churches because they give one verse on a screen and talk about some great, happy little thing that's going to happen in your life, and you don't get the full counsel of God, and you're led down the primrose path of destruction, and the truth has been taken out systematically out of the culture. Thy word is truth. Jesus is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth in John 14, 17. Look at this whole thing is systematically designed to get God, the true God, out of our culture and to embrace all other world religions because you know all roads lead to God. All religions are true. What did our past president say? The United States is no longer a Christian nation. We've capitulated. It's just been given up. That's not what our founding fathers said. This republic will stand if it's based on Christian principles. If it's not, it will fall. It's exactly what they said. Exactly what they said. So this lie is happening in our government, the universities, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, the workplace. You must be politically correct there. On teams and public places. Take God out. And whenever you take God out, you will replace it with a lie. Joseph Goebbels was right. And the United States has adapted that philosophy, and it has affected each one of us to some extent. How do we protect our minds? How do we protect our hearts? Well, Peter tells us. The Holy Spirit, through Peter, tells us. Watch this. He says this. Number one, prepare for action. It is a mind war. Goebbels was affecting the mind. Nazi Germany was affecting the mind. This whole agenda is affecting the mind in the way that you think. Prepare yourself for action. It is a mind war. How? By girding up the loins of your mind. What does girding up mean? Well, it's an ancient word. That's why you don't know what it means. But it's an ancient word where men and women wore robes by reaching through the legs and pulling back the robe forward and tucking into the belt. The robe became pants, which allowed them to move quickly, to take action. They were prepared. So, how do we prepare? We must know the truth. We must believe the truth. We must read the Word of God. This is not optional. This is not something that you pick up once a week and maybe glance at it in a cursory manner. If you want to have a chance of surviving this thing without a contaminated mind, you must be, we must be in this daily. Daily, it is not an option. It is not an option. Prayer has to be the centerpiece of your life. And fellowship. Fellowship, man, we, we get strength from one another, encouraging each other even more as you see what? The day approaching, because it's not getting better. The world is not getting better. This is not your best life now. Thank God it's going to be better there. That's the truth. Then he says, keep sober in spirit. That's a present active participle. Big deal. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a grammatical thing, but it's very important. It means that it is an ongoing principle, it's an imperative, it's a command. It's an ongoing thing. It's ongoing. Keep sober in your spirit, in your mind, ongoing. In other words, you don't stand guard for just a little bit and then let it lapse, or you'll be contaminated by the culture. It's ongoing. So it means mental alertness that is ongoing and level-headedness that is ongoing. Thinking rightly about what is going on around you having eyes to see and ears to hear 
the things of the Spirit, because you have the Spirit of God within you, and you know what is going on around you. And you must make decisions predicated or based upon the truth that is in you, not what you're being pumped, what's being pumped into you. The truth that is in you. It's an imperative. It's ongoing. And then finally, he says, fix your hope completely on Christ's return. Completely. Again, this is another command. Fix your hope. Jesus is coming back. We will all stand before him one day as believers and give an account of our life. Now, again, our sins aren't going to be, our sins aren't going to be the problem. Our sins were taken. All of our sins were placed on Jesus on the cross. But it's the opportunities that we've had for service that we'll be judged for. Our works post-salvation. His return is real. His return is close. And the grace to be brought to you at the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. Oh, he's coming back, folks. He's coming back. Now, a lot of people go, oh, no. And I'm going, oh, yes. Take me out of here. Take me home. I want to be out of here. Yes. In the battle, protect your mind. There's a warning to every believer. Very significant warning. Do not be influenced by the culture and revert to your old ways, to your former lusts. Your former lust, your old ways. Epithumia is lust. We've been through this word before. It means upon the mind. Remember, that's where the attack is. It's upon the mind. Upon the mind. It's the diseased soul that we have. Remember, when, when Adam fell, he died physically, spiritually, solely. His mind died. For body, soul, and spirit. When you got saved, your spirit was saved. But your flesh still fights. And your mind is the battleground. Will it go towards God, or will it go towards the world and Satan's ways? That's where the battleground is. It's the, it's the thoughts, it's the feelings, it's the emotion of the diseased soul. How many Christians that you know live in the former lusts? And I would say plenty. Plenty. Our lives are strewn with wounded Christians who think they're okay because they're being told they're okay. Why are they being, why do they think they're okay? They're told they're okay because they don't know something. What don't, they, what don't they know? They don't know the word. They don't know the word, so they can be led down the primrose path of destruction. And compromise is the rule. And they live out the pain and consequences of bad life choices, bad soul choices, and wonder why life is just not working. Why, is thing, why are things so hard? Your joy button just gets put on zero. Walking in your former lust. It's a mind battle, folks. It is a mind battle. Listen to this. A must. You must protect your mind from contamination, from the former lust. How do we do this? Prevention for the perversion. The cure and the correction is this. Be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. This is what God is saying to us. We have been born again of the Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells us. He's given us the ability to walk in this, in this earth differently than we used to walk. That holy is hagios. Hagios in the Greek, it means set apart. The idea is separation and sanctification. It's separation from a faulty, secular, non-biblical worldview, separated from that onto God and his worldview. Set apart to God and the things that he views as valuable. Be holy as I am holy. We are called children of God. And as children of God, we have a responsibility before God. 
We're in God's family. Remember, he's forcibly extracted us from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 3. He has, he has, he has forcibly, he has delivered you from the, from the power of darkness and conveyed you into the kingdom of Son of his love, whom you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That, is, that delivered is a forceful extraction. He's placed you into his kingdom. Once you're saved, God has a believer, those in his family, in a process of change. Old you to new you. It isn't old you get saved and, oh, goody, I'm going to heaven, and I just get to live this out as old me. That is wrong doctrine. That is wrong theology. God saved you to change you, to not leave you here like you were, not to blend and pretend, not to remain the old pitiful you, okay, but to put an end to the old you. He has you in a process called sanctification. And please note, this is an imperative. This sanctification is an imperative, is a command that we cooperate with God in this process to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. It's, a, it's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not a, I'll get around to this when I feel like it. We, can't, we are told to put off the old man in Colossians chapter 3 and put on the new man who was renewed in, in, in the image of God. That is what we are to do. All believers are in the process of change. It's not automatic, but it is expected. The keys to overcoming the contamination of the world. We must cooperate with God in this process. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Be ready. By determining in your heart not to be corrupted, don't revert to your old ways and be holy as I am holy. We can live differently. We don't have to be trapped in the way that we were. And God expects us to walk this thing out different. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be boom, 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 I'm perfect here. That's not how it works. God knows that we're just flesh. He knows we're just flesh. But at least cooperate in the process and be able to notice that I am changing a little bit as time goes. I'm not quite the same. Those things that used to, used to lure me in, they're not quite doing that now. I've cut the line. I'm not going to be reeled in any longer. He's to overcoming the world's contamination. The next one is this. The second key is this. Determine to conduct our lives as followers of Christ. And I emphasize that word conduct. Conduct yourself. And if you call on the Father. Now, this if is a first-class condition. It's just like saying since. If and it is so. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, oh, watch this, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. What is God expecting? A conduct change, isn't he? A conduct change in fear, in fear, fear of God, okay? Conduct yourself. Now, this is very important. It is so important, I want to emphasize this strongly. You've been born again. Your family knows you've been born again. Your friends hopefully know you've been born again. And you know what people are doing? People are watching you. You say that you've been born again in the Spirit. You're really in the family of God. People are watching you. So you are being watched and evaluated. The world, your friends, your family, classmates, co-workers are watching you. And wondering this, is Christianity really true? Because they've been bombarded with the lie. They've been bombarded with Islam is okay. 
that Hinduism is okay, that I can just choose any one of these things. Is Christianity true? And they're watching us as believers. Your conduct is very important here to God and his kingdom. Very important. Yeah, it's very convicting. People are watching you. Scripture implores all believers in a corrupt society to live out Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, whatever happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever happens in your life, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How are you going through the high points of your life? Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How many times have you heard an athlete on the championship team, and they're Christians, and they say, praise God, we won the championship. Thank you, Jesus. I give glory and honor to Jesus. But how many times have you seen them lose and say, thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, honor, and glory to Jesus. I could compete. You've never heard that, have you? We have to take the whole thing. In all things, in everything, whatever happens, Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We are his ambassadors. We represent our heavenly father. We are to be more like him. What is the culture and the church missing regarding God? What are Christians in our culture missing regarding God? This, conduct yourself through your time here, through your stay here in fear. Now I ask you this, where is the fear of God in the American church? There's a familiarity with God in the American church. There's an, there's an uncommon familiarity with God in the American church. But I'll tell you, when God appeared to the Jewish nation in Exodus chapter 19, just prior to giving the law, and he would demonstrated who he was, and that, that mountain thundered, and the cloud was there, and it was, it was this loud noise, and God speaks, and the people says, don't speak to us anymore. We can't take it anymore. This holiness is too great for us. The church in general does not have a fear of God. The awesome respect for God, the reverence for God, the fear and terror of a holy God. While we are here, folks, listen to this. Our respect, our fear for God must, must be greater than the pull of the world. And if it is, you have a chance. If you have that kind of respect for God, you have a chance to overcome the things of this world. And I've said this before, and it's going to be redundant to you. I'm sorry that it's, I'm wearing you out with this. But this culture, this generation that we live in right now, is the most worldly influence culture that has ever existed on planet Earth. Rome did not have this input into its people, didn't have the communication abilities. But we are in contact constantly with our phones, constantly with our computers, constantly inundated with negative information, things that take us from God. There is no option for us today. We must be connected to the vine. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what filling of the Holy Spirit is? Filling of the Holy Spirit means you're controlled by the Spirit. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. You are controlled by the Spirit. You're carrying out the Spirit-filled life. Key number three, keys to overcoming the world's contamination, 18 through 21. Determine, oh please, determine to counteract the poison of the world with what Christ did for you. Oh, don't forget that. What Jesus did for me. This is a huge weapon in your arsenal of being able to say no to the world and yes to God. Huge weapon. Watch what he did. 
knowing that you were not redeemed. That's purchased. Purchased out of the slave market of sin. That you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. That's what the world values. They'll do anything for silver or gold. That's not what you were redeemed with. That's, that's nothing for God. That's nothing to him. Everything to the human. Or from your aimless conduct, how you used to conduct yourself, received by the tradition of your fathers, the way people conduct themselves on earth. Oh, but listen to the contrast. But with the precious blood of Christ, that's what God values. That's what we value. That's the most incredible, valuable thing. As a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. That is a great weapon to overcome the world. Remember what Jesus has done. Jesus delivered us from slavery, the corrupt things of the world, the aimless conduct of our lives. The aimless conduct. That's how, that's how our lives are viewed until we come into Christ. Aimless conduct. I don't care if you're getting a PhD in philosophy. Aimless conduct unless you come into the kingdom of God. That's how it's all viewed by God. Redeem, purchase out of the slave market of sin. Jesus paid the price for us, and it wasn't silver or gold or something precious to the human, but it was the precious blood of Christ. We can, that, that is an amazing thing that God would send his son. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, would come and die here for us. We're worms, and he died for us. He died so that we could have life. Christ died so we, we could live. Jesus died an awful death, and he did it for us. And he was manifest in these last days. You know what that means? The last days are his first coming to his second coming. That's called the last days. Now, I will submit to you that we are in the last of the last days. This is time to get serious about God. This isn't, this isn't time to just, just dibble-dabble in Christianity. Get serious about God. And look at he manifests himself in his last time for you. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. It's for each. It's for us individually. We 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 have an inheritance in chapter one, verse four, in heaven just for you. It is personal. An incredible thought. While Jesus was dying on the cross, think about this. When Jesus was dying on the cross, think about the embarrassment as he hung there naked on the cross. God. God who created all those people who were spitting at him, punching him, putting a crown of thorns on his head, beating them into submission. He created them. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, created everything that is made. By him, all things were made, and without him, nothing is made that has been made. He created everything. And we as humans had the hubris, the arrogance to beat him naked, spat upon, degraded, with his mother and the world watching. This is an incredible story in the demonic realm cheering. And he did it for who? He did it for each one of us. Put your name there. He died for me. He died for me. The plan to die for us was before the foundation of the world. Jesus' death was foreordained or foreknown or preplanned before the world ever came into existence, 
Before there was ever an Adam and Eve and a creation, God knew what was going to happen. And he made a way for humans to get back to him, to get back to God. Before the foundation of the world, the plan for the Redeemer was put into place. God knew that man would sin. It wasn't a surprise. God is all-knowing. God knew that man would fall from his position of holiness, being made in the image, the imago Dei, the exact replication of God, perfect in body, perfect in soul, perfect in spirit. And then the tempter comes in Genesis chapter 3, and we died, and we became depraved. And when death and separation came, and this sin was passed on to every human being that ever lived. So God knew he would provide himself as a Savior, the second person of the Trinity. God knew of our total inability, our total complete depravity, our inability to free ourselves, and he willingly stepped out of heaven. Can you imagine? Can you imagine stepping out of heaven and coming here and being born in a cave? Because there's no room in the inn for you, Jesus. There's no room in our hearts for you, Jesus. He left his privileged position in heaven to pay the ransom price for each one of us. God knew that this was the only way for mankind to be saved. And you know what Jesus did? He walked this earth perfectly. He kept the law perfectly for us because we get his righteousness credited to us. That's justification. What a deal. You say yes to Jesus and God looks at you as he looks at his son, pure and clean and righteous and holy. That's justification. But you know what Jesus did? Just before going to the cross in Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, if there's any other way than this way, if there's any other way besides the cross, if there's any other way that I, that I can skip having all this sin placed upon me and feel the separation from you, which never happened in all of eternity, if there's any other way, but he says, not my will, but your will, God. That is the chant of our hearts. Not my will, but your will. And Jesus went through it because there was no other way to redeem mankind. No other world religion will do it. It's only Jesus Christ. God knew that a supreme act of love was required. And John 3.16 just, just resonates. For God so loved the world. The world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Simply by believing, committing yourself to putting your trust in him, you live forever with him. Our faith, our hope, our future is secured by the amazing love of our amazing God. And oh, how the, how the songwriter was so correct. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That is amazing love. To counteract the poison of the world, we need only to remember what Christ did for us and his amazing, astounding love. It's, it's amazing. And finally, we close with this. Keys to overcoming the world's contamination. How to stay clean in a corrupt society. Chuck Swindoll says this. When we're, we're in a comfortable conclave of the Christian, this is so true. When we're in the comfortable conclave of a Christian fellowship, it's easy to be holy. And we're right here, we're singing worship songs, and we're all together. We're kind of feeding off each other's energy, and the Spirit of God is here with us, and Jesus is in our midst, and, and everything is nice and wonderful. But to conduct our lives in the fear of God, 
That is the goal. And to focus our minds on the Savior. Oh, but when we're in the world, when we're in the minority, it's a different story, isn't it? And a corrupt society is not so easy to stand. The keys to overcoming the world's contamination, all with the Holy Spirit's indwelling power. You cannot do this on your own. You must yield to the Spirit. Even as a Christian with the Spirit of God, you've got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get when you get born again of the Spirit. The question is, are you going to tap into that power or not? Are you going to be filled with the Holy Spirit or not? Are you going to utilize what he's given you or not? That's the question. So with the Holy Spirit's power, we do this. Determine in your heart not to be corrupted. Be a Daniel. Be someone different than the culture you're immersed in. Be a Daniel. Secondly, determine to conduct our lives as followers of Christ. Remember, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Not following the world system that's under Satan's control. Not being a pretender, but being a follower of the Lord Jesus. And then thirdly, determine to counteract the poison of the world with what Christ did for us. Look at, just put your name in here. He died for me. Just put your name in there. He left heaven for me. Jesus suffered and, and, and was rejected for me. God loves me and proved it by sending his only begotten son. It is an amazing love. Make it personal. He came and he died for each one of us. And finally, determine not to flirt with the world. The spirit of the age, the zeitgeist, the, which is German for spirit of the age. Now, the definition that I want to give you for zeitgeist is this. It's a spirit that attempts to decrease, decrease Christ, the Bible, and God's redemptive plan. It's alive in our world today. And it's seen in every world religion. Every world religion hates Christianity. They will kill Christians throughout the world. Islam gets in charge, you're going to get killed. Hinduism gets in charge, you're going to get killed. Other world religions get in charge, you're going to be killed. What do Christians do? Love and come. Love and save. Give their lives for those who want to kill you. What a contrast. What a contrast. The spirit of the age. Look, at in order to overcome the spirit of the age, the demonic realm, you must make a determination. I've mentioned this scripture before. It'll be familiar to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says this, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let everything that you do be done in love. Let the world see the strength of the Lord Jesus in you and love them into the kingdom of God. Tell them the truth. Have enough courage to tell them the truth. And not let them be consumed by the, the lies of this world. John White wrote a book, Flirting with the World. And Howard Snyder writes this as he comments about it. Worldliness is the greatest threat to the church today. In other ages, the church has suffered from dead orthodoxy. What, what is orthodoxy? It's the, it's the teachings of Christ and the apostles. That's what orthodox is. Heresy, live heresy, was, has been taught in the past. That's something that is not what the apostles and Christ taught. So, as suffer from dead orthodoxy, live heresy, flight from the world, and many other maladies. But the painful truth today is that the church is guilty of massive accommodation to the world. The church attempts to look just like the world. How? In its worship. 
sound, lights, production, camera, action, roll them. So our worship, our worship has been compromised. How about the message? How about the message? You know what people want? They want to leave with, with a motivational talk. I, I am great, and I am me, and I, you are nothing. You're everything in Christ, but you're nothing in yourself. You're nothing in yourself. The world philosophy has entered into the church. Do you know what the Spirit of God says about the world philosophies? He tells us in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive. Again, it's personal. It's not them captive, it's you captive. It's personal. Through hollow and deceptive philosophies. What is philosophy? What is deceptive philosophies? It's the love of the world, and it's the world's view of how God should be, the meaning of life. It's humanism. It's humanism. It's how the human is extolled, and God is diminished. See, see that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. It's humanism. It's humanism. God says this, come out and be separate. Be holy as I am holy. Get in the process. Are we ever going to be holy like Jesus on this side? No way. No way, but there's a calling for us to be making progress in this thing, to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, daily being conformed, daily yielding to the Spirit, daily putting down the things of the flesh and saying yes to the Spirit. God has given us the power to do that. Now walk in it. That's the goal. Walk in it. You can be an overcomer. You have the keys to overcoming the world's contamination. Now walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that you have in you. We have the Spirit of God. God did not leave us as orphans, as he says in John 14. But he's going to give you a comforter when it is right with you. He'll live it in you. He'll walk with you. He's your paracolito, walking right by your side through this whole walk. Now walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and overcome the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Peter, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us keys to overcoming the world's contamination. Now, our job is to not just hear the word, but live the word out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God that tells us the truth. You've told us exactly how we are to live, what you expect from us. You've given us imperative statements, not whimsical, not cloudy, but commands as to what we should do on this side. You've not left it hazy. You've told us exactly what to do. Now, Lord, you've given us your spirit, the rod of iron up our spine that allows us to stand against the spirit of the age. And I pray today that each person in this room, whoever hears this talk, will yield themselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and be a Daniel, determined in their heart not to, not to defile themselves with the spirit of this age, but say, oh, hear the, hear the voice of the Spirit. This is the way. Walk in it. May we be obedient to your call. And as always, help us to be not just hearers, but doers of the Word of God. Lord, I ask to do, you to do your work in each one of our hearts. This speaks to everyone here. This speaks to me. This speaks to everybody. Lord, help us to walk this thing out as true followers of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.